0: hey everybody this will be a great fun episode we had some call-in customers with questions on cooking and processes and i gave them my two cents right or wrong this is what i had to say
1: welcome to the butcher barbecue podcast world headquarters wellston oklahoma the butcher turned pit master your host david Bosca.
0: welcome everybody to this week's episode of the butcher barbecue podcast I am doing something completely different than, well, I've ever done. Uh, I had a gentleman listen in to me one time while I was answering a phone call and was helping one of the customers through a little situation slash problem they were having. And he told me, he said, you know, that would be a great podcast. The more I thought about it, the more I liked it. So I made a big old post on Facebook for that very thing. And we've got our first caller, Mike Winkleman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a
1: pleasure to be on, and I love watching Butcher Barbecue and listening to their podcast. I've seen you on TV with the Pitmasters for several years, and it's a pleasure and an honor to be on and actually have some of my questions answered in barbecue.
0: Well, I'm going to be flat honest with you, dude. It's my honor that you watch, listen, listen and still watch those shows, um, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, let's just give everybody a quick rundown, a little bit of what you cook on.
1: I have an Oklahoma Joe currently. Stick burner. Kind of looks like, you know, my dad calls it a choo-choo train with the chimney and the smoke rolling out of it. I actually got it from a friend of mine who gave it to me as a gift because he had a couple extra, and I was always interested in smoking meat and my brother and I got into it uh, about probably six to eight summers ago, and we only used a little Weber kettle grill. We just kept saying, there's got to be something that we could do better or easier or more, you know, and we always wanted to invest in it. And none of us had enough money to get like a, a really nice smoker. And so eventually I fell into the, I've loved it ever since. It's addictive and it's a great hobby to get into.
0: So do you cook mostly for the family?
1: I do. I cook for my family. I do a lot of ribs. I do a lot of pork butts. I still have yet to tackle a brisket, which I absolutely want to do and I'm going to do because I won one of your boxes through a different website. Smoke 'em if you got 'em website on facebook i got that box from you and there's an injection in there for a beef brisket and i'm just waiting for the time to do it i just haven't tackled it yet but my biggest thing with cooking smoking on my smoker is one of the biggest things is which i wrote into you about was the dreaded
0: stall okay what do you have any particular question about it or what it is or how to alleviate it what what kind of questions are you wanting to ask about it
1: uh, my big, my I guess my probably three things how to alleviate it yes why it happens if you know that because I'm not sure anyone does but you've been doing it for so many years you must have an educated guess as to why and what's the best way to combat it
0: okay this is not brain surgery but we need to step back and I want to educate just a little bit on what's happening while you're cooking when You're cooking in a chamber, in a smoker chamber. The meat has a lot of liquid in it. Beef is mostly 90, 95, 98% all water and with a little bit of muscle cells and the, the connective tissues and all that. So for it to cook, the moisture has to dissipate out of it while it's cooking, which will firm the meat up and start all that. The actual stall process, what happens is if you do not wrap, if you do not, well, let me, let me refrain from saying do not, while it's cooking, the meat has to lose that moisture. It starts coming out into your chamber and moisture starts dissipating from the meat at about 145 degrees. Okay. The stall starts at about 170 Yep. Okay. I've noticed that. So, what what you need to do, what we highly, highly recommend, is that you wrap your brisket, your pork butts, your ribs, any of that, at about 150 to 155 degrees. What that's going to do, that's going to start a quicker steaming within the meat, and it's Mm going to scream through that. Uh, stall process once it hits 170 it's already cooking so fast it's going to go right on through does that help with that any at all
1: it it helps a ton um when i cook my ribs which i would say i've probably had the most success with i use typically that three to one method where after about three hours i wrap automatically and let them sit for two hours wrap i don't know if you believe in it or not but that seems like it's been the most successful for
0: me there's not. that's not a bad system it doesn't work for my style of cooking Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's a bad system there's never one right or wrong way this is my opinion i cook on pellets and what you have to remember is your heat is um airflow and heat correct so if you've got a smoker that flows more air it's going to change that three, two, one. It's going to change when you need to wrap. In my personal opinion is I like wrapping, like I said, 150 to 155 is my favorite when it comes to brisket, when it comes to pork butts. So we wrap, but when you do this, what you're going to have to remember, it's going to speed up your cooking cycle a lot. You're going to, you're going to cut out possibly on big meats two to three hours in your whole process. So that means your finishing temperature is going to have to get higher to break down the same amount of connective tissues, collagen, and all that, and still make it tender.
1: Right. Because I was noticing I actually did 11 pork butts. My brother had a wedding this summer. And they, my brother and his wife both have married, but they did a wedding, and they kind of did it themselves. They found a venue of a friend and whatnot. I did 11 pork butts for it. Now, we had to freeze them because I could only do about three a time on my smoker, and they turned out excellent, and everyone at, in, at the wedding loved it. But while I was doing those pork butts, I noticed the stall, and I also noticed, though, that I'd have it on about 10 to 12 hours, and I'd get up to about 180 and you could almost see the bone, like on the smoker, you could almost pull that bone out, even where the uh, money muscle is and everything. And I'm like, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. Because I know a lot of it not only shows, experts, people that blog and post online about smoking, say that you even want to get up to 200, 205 when you do those butts but I noticed that it wasn't having a problem pulling either. So was I doing anything wrong in your opinion?
0: No, nothing was wrong with that. The longer it's, it's the two styles of cooking, the old low and slow and the new hot and fast. Right. The low and slow is exactly what you were performing. You had it at a lower temperature, 225, 230 probably. And it just took a long, slow time. Now, We talked about the stall and we're kind of talking about the tenderness factor now. So let's let's step back with that. Sure. The tenderness part, when you go to cooking beef or pork, it starts breaking its connective tissues down between 190 and 195. Well, I'm sorry, 175 and 195. okay? Okay. Between 175 and 195. But the longer you're in that time frame, it continues to break down. So with your 8, 10, 12 hour cook, you were after your stall and it took forever to get to that 185. So it broke down for several hours. Now in the hot and fast method, you're going to hit that 155 when you wrap and it's going to scream to 180 very quick and on up to 200 within an hour. So you're talking several hours difference. That's why everybody says you need to be at 2, 2.05, 2.10 to make it shred and come apart because you still need more time because it just still needs more connective tissue to break down. Gotcha. And something to also remember is it's also in the cool-off period because the meat doesn't know if it's going up in temp or down in temp. Right. So if you hit 2.04, 2.05 and you want to hold that for another couple, couple hours it'll still take that long to get back down to 195. So it's still breaking down on the downside, on the downslope of the temperature.
1: Makes sense. That makes complete sense. And that actually, really, that information helps me out a ton in future smokes. I don't mind if I have the time doing it, but if I know I need supper done by a certain time, you know, I've got a thermopen, make sure I'm at 150. I'm going to wrap them and speed up my process so I don't have four or five, six extra hours of smoking.
0: That's right. And once you wrap it, remember smoke and stuff's not going to get through that fall. So go ahead and raise that temperature up and let's get it cooked.
1: I got you. The next question I had with you, and I'm wondering if this coincides with the stall. I'm fascinated by the fact that you're a butcher, so you know how to cut meat and trim meat. And as an amateur, which I obviously am, I'm wondering how much is too much to cut off, how much is too little to cut off, and then like the fat cap on a pork butt. Is that such that it shields the meat to the point where that helps the stall as well?
0: When you say to cut off, to not cut off, are you referring to fat?
1: Yeah, I know some fat is good, but how much is too little? How much is too much, you know? That's kind of where I'm going with this.
0: There's never uh, too much, too little. Th- and I say it like that. I use the fat cap on the pork, the fat cap on the brisket as a barrier for my heat flow. Okay. What I do is if your air is coming from the bottom of your cooker, right, put the fat down and okay. let it protect the rest of your meat. If your air flows from the top, use it as a barrier there and let it protect the meat That way. I got you. And then again, the reason so is let's just take a brisket. Yep. Everybody believes that I'm going to leave all the fat on it. I'm going to flip it upside down. I'm going to let that fat melt down through the meat. Right. I'm not saying it doesn't melt through it, but what I'm saying is, is the meat has already started cooking and all the cells, all the muscle fibers have already started closing from 145 up to the 160, 65. Fat doesn't start rendering till 172 to 175. Gotcha. So at that point, it's not going to add more moisture to the muscle fiber itself. That's what I'm saying. Use it as a protection.
1: My Oklahoma Joe offset that would be the heat coming from the bottom, flow wise, as you say. Yes, correct. And so and then, error. in that now heat in, and air, correct. So in that. In that instance, your suggestion or your preference is to keep that fat cap down to protect your meat.
0: I would yes, that's the way I would roll with that one. That makes sense. And do you have a if you have a problem with the let's say in the cook chamber, right, the the side of the brisket or the ribs or the pork that is closer to the uh, cook chamber versus the outlet, if you keep seeing that edge getting more done, drier, anything like that, you can put a air barrier, take you a piece of foil and make it shaped like a T and mm-hmm. go about two inches high and let the air hit that and bounce it up and onto the meat and not let your cider your meat be what's bouncing the air.
1: That makes complete sense, too. That's an excellent suggestion. I might have to try that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Have you ever tried the old biscuit test? No. In fact, I have no idea what it is. Well, perfect. This will help with this too. Go to the grocery store, pick up just a couple of those cheap little um, pop biscuits. You know, there's 10 or 12 to a package. You know, you pick them up usually two for a dollar, three for a dollar. Correct. Get your smoker going. Get it exactly how you want to cook on it. Open those biscuits up and lay them across your cooking chamber. Everything that where you would be putting meat. Check it in five minutes and see what's not done, what is done. Check it in 10 minutes. See what's more done than the other. You're going to see the heat, where it comes up from the bottom. And the top may be golden brown, where the bottom might be black. Move over eight inches, and it might be golden brown on bottom and golden on top. Move over another eight inches away from the heat, and it might be just barely brown on the bottom and black on top. Watch where that's locating at. You'll find your hot spots. You'll find your airflow hot spots. Then while you are cooking, and let's say like you stated, you would need to get something cooked for supper. Just make a mental note. That section right over there was hotter during my biscuit test. That's where I'm putting this at real quick. I got to get it hot because it's already wrapped up. I just need to get it cooked.
1: Now, one more question with that biscuit test. Do you set those then right on your grate? as opposed to a Absolutely. pan, because a pan would heat up faster, correct, and then throw off. That is right. I mean, you don't
0: want a pan, because that's going to change airflow.
1: Correct. I, I understand that. That makes sense.
0: And the upside to all of it is, if you had some strawberry jelly, you can always have a little um, dessert. Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds fantastic. That's That makes complete sense. I have I have puzzled over both of those for a while, and it makes complete sense.
0: Well, good. Good. Can you think of anything else?
1: I guess my thing just being a fan. What is your favorite thing to cook and and what have you been most successful at?
0: That's a great question. When it comes to grilling, I'm a big fan of a ribeye steak. There is it's, it's extremely hard for me to get off of ribeyes for grilling. Now when it comes to smoking, I'm I really like smoking brisket. That's that's probably my favorite.
1: How long did it take you? To, and I know everyone has ups and downs, smoking is a constant battle. Maybe that's why I like it so much because you can bang out something awesome one day and the next day, maybe it's even like your golf game where it's just not as good and you had better expectations, but how did you perfect your brisket then?
0: I wasted a lot of meat. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> there i don't want i don't think i've got it perfected i think i got my process perfected
1: okay that makes but, sense
0: yeah so when it comes to saying i got it perfected i don't think i do i think i'm always learning also because i'll think of another way another method i always listen to what other people have or how they're cooking and a year two years down the road i may be wanting to change a process in something and go i'll bet what joe blow did would work in this right here for my cooker so i always keep things in mind i'm always writing it down what was your first smoker you ever used it was an fec 100 it's a fast eddies by cook shack and i'm still cooking on it today
1: what's the one you won your title with
0: the fec 100.
1: Interesting. in my That's trailer
0: cool. i run two of those one for my short cook one for my long cook and I've got a PG, which is called a pellet grill, PG 500, made by the same company, Cookshack. And that's what I start my brisket on, and I finish my chicken on it. And last year, I've been cooking my ribs on it.
1: Are you still competing?
0: I slowed down last year a lot. Um, We bought a warehouse where I live, and my brother went to work for me. And it just took most of our time and and brain power to get this thing rolling the way I wanted it. This year, yes, we're going to hit a little bit harder. Not as hard as we normally do. We used to do 30, 35 contests a year. I'll probably do about 20 this year.
1: With your brother, with your son? My brother. Your son has the restaurant, correct?
0: Yes, that's what I was saying there. My son's got to run the restaurant. He needs to make his own house payment.
1: <laughs> we all know about that, right?
0: <laughs> well, Mike, if that's it, I really do appreciate your time and calling in and thinking about it.
1: That's everything. Thanks so much. It's been absolutely fun, and I can't wait to break to all my friends that I was on this, and they'll probably think I was maybe even an idiot, but... It was worth my time, and I had a lot of fun, so thank you.
0: Mike, I appreciate you. Thanks a lot.
1: Have a great night.
0: Welcome, everybody. This is the second segment of the Butcher Barbecue Call-In Podcast. That's what I'm going to call it. I don't know what I called it on the first one, but that's what we're going to do it right now. The second caller, his name is Samuel Payton. I believe he's right here from Oklahoma. He has some questions he'd like answered, and we're here to uh, to oblige. Samuel, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I like that. Short and sweet. Samuel, <laughs> well, tell everybody where you're from. Sure. Uh, I'm from Bartlesville, Oklahoma.
2: Uh, I've been up here for, oh, about 10 years. I'm originally from Beggs, Oklahoma, so lived in Oklahoma my whole life.
0: Oh, nice. What do you cook on?
2: So I have uh, three smokers I use. Uh, two are uh, drum smokers uh, that I have custom made a couple years ago. And then I have a Humphrey's Long Weekender, which is a um, upright uh, vault water smoker.
0: Oh, okay. Is it like a vault style water smoker? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's um,
2: a vault style. It looks looks like a gun safe. That's what my uh, son thought it was whenever I brought it home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You got to be careful what you put in it then.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So what's your favorite method of cooking? Do you like the drums better? or Do you like your water bath cooker?
2: You know, um, both of them are pretty consistent as far as uh, holding temp. Uh, the drums are, are a lot easier uh, as far as loading and getting my fuel ready, and I can get them up and running enough temp uh, in about half an hour and uh, ready to smoke on. The The, the Humphreys is, is a great smoker. Um, I, I usually uh, take some more time to prep it, uh, get my water in and get my, my fuel set up, and then it takes a little bit longer to get up to the uh, temp that I like to cook at, and then I also uh, have to kind of, whatever I'm smoking on it, make sure I'm not peeking too much. Because when you open that door, you use a lot, uh, lose a lot more heat than you do with the drum smokers. Uh, they, they kind of uh, bounce back a lot faster. But as far as uh, long cooks, uh, the Humphreys, I've had it going 12, 14 hours and just uh, riding steady. I, I do use uh, a fan-controlled method on that once in a while uh, whenever I'm at competitions. And that uh, makes it a lot easier as well.
0: Oh, that's real good. Speaking of competitions, how many competitions have you done?
2: Well, I've only done four. Um, so I, I started with, in 2018, I did the uh, Cherokee Strip in Ponca City. And it was more of a, let's see what happens kind of thing. Um, I, I never really was seriously into c- competition barbecue. But I, I've watched a lot of, you know, uh, barbecue pitmasters, which I, uh, where I first you know introduced as you and and um, I thought, you know, what the heck, I'm going to try it out. So me and my dad loaded up, and at the time we had a pull-behind big offset smoker, and uh, we went over there, and, you know, we didn't do very good, but we didn't come in last. And uh, that was kind of a an achievement, and we got all our meats turned in on time. And then after that, I've, um, I have just kind of caught the bug. And, and last year I didn't get to do as many as I wanted to. I did I did the Cherokee strip again. I did the uh, one in Bixby. And then I did a, a backyard competition up here uh, just north of me in Independence, Kansas.
0: Oh, really nice. So you've cut your teeth just a little bit. You get the understanding and the grasp of competition cooking.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And from the first one I did in 2018 to the last one I did this last fall in uh, Ponca City, I, I've just done a complete you know, turnaround. I mean, I, I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, and then the last one I did, I actually got my name called a couple of times. So Very nice. uh, that really just kind of energizes you as well.
0: Yeah. Well, what would you like to ask? What kind of questions or thought processes do you have? And my opinion's my opinion, right, wrong, or indifferent. Hey, people can take it as a grain of salt. But tell me what you're, what you're thinking, and I'll tell you what I'm thinking.
2: So, um, you know, I feel pretty good about, about the meats I smoke. The brisket is probably my, my toughest competition uh, category, mainly because it's it's the hardest to practice. Um, brisket prices are, are pretty high, and and so I don't get to practice those as often. as I do chicken ribs and, and pulled pork, whenever I do get one, I think I, um, I I'm more concerned about you know trying to do a perfect practice as far as a, a trial and error. Sometimes I cook them and they just kind of come out more of a, a roast beef flavor mm-hmm. than a, a a true like you know Texas style brisket. I always hear about you know doing you know combinations of salt and pepper and then and you'll apply in maybe some different rubs. Just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on you know maybe what kind of um techniques I can do as far as you know trimming and uh, injecting and and the rubs I use to kind of maybe get more of that brisket barbecue flavor as opposed to. Uh, mom's
0: pot roast (laughs) okay let's with what you just said was a mouthful and I'm going to start with one thing that you uh, commented on you said Texas style brisket define to me what you're calling a Texas-style brisket, wrapped, unwrapped. Um, You said salt and pepper. Is that what you're calling a Texas brisket?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. More of the really thick bark, you know, more uh, pepper, salt and pepper, garlic flavor, not sweet. Uh, I found that whenever I do my research, that's kind of what more people go with as as opposed to, you know. And plus, my my profiles for my ribs and my pulled pork are pretty much uh, similar uh, being pork and then my chicken as well, and then when you get to beef, it kind of has to be almost the exact opposite. So
0: okay, let's yeah. step into another question before I go into throwing my answers at you. The next question I want to ask is: Are you wanting a breast, a brisket style, Texas brisket style for competition or for the backyard? For competition, okay. Um,
2: no, no, and I, I, I also kind of want to throw back to you as far as you've been on the circuit longer you know than I have and obviously much more experience and and I've only been to a couple and that's kind of what I've picked up on wasn't sure if if, you know you had a different opinion I
0: I I have a whole different opinion completely I do not feel especially in the area that you're cooking in right here in our back door I do not Mm -hmm. feel that the traditional restaurant Texas style brisket will do you any good in competition okay okay the heavy bark the wrapping it in paper salt pepper stop right there or add garlic i don't think that's going to do you any good in competitions Setting around here in the oklahoma and and i may be i'll stretch out there in texas because we've won some first places we've won 180s in brisket we've had that in texas and i'm just going to say not on a regular basis will that win in texas Does it help? Absolutely. But that is not what's winning on a regular basis in competition barbecue. I'm liable to get 300 emails, hate emails on that one. But that is what (laughs) I feel. There again, this podcast is called Butcher Barbecue Podcast. (laughs) This is my opinion. And my opinion is, is if that's the way you're wanting to go in competition, we can steer you that way and get you fixed up. But that is not where I would want to steer you in the way i feel that you would get yourself any calls or or get you a top 10 uh placement okay now you tell me what do you want me to to work with on you do you want me to give you some of the better stuff for a texas style or what i feel will win in this area
2: well i, I appreciate uh you know your opinion um what you feel would would uh, be a winner
0: okay fair enough first off the let's start with your um, test cooking what you stated was absolutely true test cooking a brisket is extremely expensive and it's hard to do one every weekend trying to get ready if you're trying to test cook timing and get your timing down what i'm fixing to tell you will not work but if you're trying to test cook for flavor method um, anything like that what i'm fixing to tell you is awesome take one brisket trim it down for a competition. And I personally like separating the flat and the point for competition. Mm-hmm. If you've got any questions on that, you know, it's hard to tell you over the phone, um, where to hit it, what, 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 angle and all that stuff. I've got some YouTube videos that break down brisket. One is just trimming a butcher style brisket. Then I take that very same brisket where we stopped at, and then I continue cutting it and breaking it on down for competition. And I use that particular brisket in a competition. It is the right way that we do our competition briskets, okay? Go look that up, okay. view that video, save it, look back on it 100 times. It'll do you a lot of good. Now, what I was going to say that'll help with the cost factor is take that brisket. If you're just wanting to test for flavors and, and how to get it done, Take that very brisket and cut it right in half long ways. If you're looking at a sheet of paper and, you know, like a brisket flat is about the size of a sheet of paper. Go from the top and slice it straight down the bottom to where each side is about four to six inches wide. Okay. Okay. Then you'll have the identical piece of meat, the same muscle. So it's going to be raised the same. It's going to be tender the same. Everything will be the same. Now you can actually do two cooks with the same brisket. So your cost is cut in half. You can do them at the same time, try a different flavor, try a different rub, try a different injection, try whatever you want to try. Put it on your cookers, cook them the same so that you start getting your process down good. But you're going to see two of them side by side then when you go to taste it. Man that does taste better than this one over here. They're they're exactly the same. That way you're not waiting a week and go, "Well, I think that tasted okay. I think this has more <laughs> yeah. salt or, or I got more pepper." Well, these are side by side. You can actually taste them this way. So that's really a great rated great way to do it and not have a huge cost factor. Does that pretty pretty mm-hmm. well make sense?
2: Yes sir. Yeah, that actually does make a lot of sense.
0: All right. Second one, uh parents rubs maybe with with your meat and everything. I think Mm -hmm. that is a huge part with your smoke, your process. If you're going to cook them on the drums, I think it'll cook a little different than you do in your water cabinet. I'm not completely Mm -hmm. familiar with the Humphreys, but I am familiar with some of the other styles out there. There is Mm -hmm. a few. Let me ask you this. Is the heat coming from the bottom or the top on that Humphreys?
2: It's Well, the, the heat source is at
0: the bottom, but it comes up through the sides, and then okay. the smoke comes actually down to the meat. It's it's similar to the Okay. Makes sense. I, I understand what you're talking about. And do you prefer a long, what we call a long cook, or do you like the hot and fast method?
2: So typically on my brisket and my pulled pork, I like to do uh, kind of the low and slow, uh, and then whenever I wrap, I kind of do more hot and fast. Um, I like to get a lot of that smoke on there uh, before I wrap it, so typically you know, around 225 to 250, and then once I wrap, bump it on up to 275 to 300 to finish it off.
0: Okay, fair enough. Just keep this in mind, especially for competition, smoke is just a flavor. It doesn't need to be the flavor. So if you're getting um, 6, 8, 10 hours of smoke on it in competition, mm-hmm. that is a good chance that's going to be too much smoke, okay? Okay. And in all honesty, we're going to be cooking the same contest as you will be also feel free to swing by and say, hey, man, this is Samuel. I talked to you on your podcast. Let me try a slice of your brisket. I'll be happy to give it to you, and let's try a slice. And you can compare your own with how much smoke am I getting in my Way too much versus what he's doing. Feel free to uh, stop by the old red trailer and and knock on the door. That's I can tell you myself, okay, I cook on a pellet grill, which is a milder smoke to begin with. -hmm. We we are only open for two and a half hours before we're wrapping. Okay. Okay. Put that into your context of how you're cooking. I'm not here to ask you your complete process. I'm just trying to get some of the highlights to help you out with it. Okay. Uh, We 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 start at 2:75. I apologize. We start at 2:60. Okay. And that brisket goes on at 5:30 in the morning, and at 8 o'clock we're wrapping that brisket. And then we put okay. it on the, um, taking it off our grill and putting it on the FEC 100 smoker. And at that point, that smoker's setting at 280. It's already wrapped. Usually by 10 o'clock, it's done. 10.30 at the latest. So it kind of gives you an idea. Usually okay. five, five and a half hours, our brisket will be done.
2: So about how much does your, your brisket weigh when you put it on after you've done trimming?
0: Okay. I have never weighed one when it's done. Let me give you a... Okay. I trim it from side to side. It's it's mm-hmm. it's only five and three quarter inches side to side, and then it's the okay. full length. It's well, I'm guessing fourteen inches long, twelve inches long, something like that. Thirteen long, you know okay. what I'm saying? Um, yes, sir. And I've been cooking the uh, a nine briskets out of the butcher shop out of Florida, and they're probably all of an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half thick. Are you cooking prime, choice? a wagyu style which ones are you cooking bud
2: so last year i did uh wagyu from Snake river farms
0: uh-huh very nice briskets and so
2: this year i'm i'm i still have that option i have just, i'm about to make an order for some for my next uh, round of briskets i was looking at there is a place up in um uh kansas uh, creekstone farms yep. and um i've heard some good uh, good feedback from them. I've also heard from the butcher shop and the A9s. We're looking at too much as far as ordering. Kind of playing around still which ones I want to actually order from.
0: I understand. And if you get with James and Kevin down there at the butcher shop and everything, tell them I said, hey, okay? Okay, okay. Um, and now back to the Creekstone briskets you are talking about. They're just right outside of Wichita up here. Mm-hmm. And I love their meat. I have I use their prime grade briskets for better part probably of 10 years. hmm I, I don't think you can find a tastier prime brisket that there is. Mm-hmm. When it comes to prime, that is the cat's meow, in my opinion. We actually okay. use their choice briskets in our restaurant. That's the sole brisket we use now i was i would like to think i was one of the last sole survivors of cooking prime brisket on a high level competition 35 contest a year type world until i finally went to the wagyu world Mm -hmm. i actually finally beat myself in the head enough to realize competing in this competition world this is the one grade of meat if you can afford it you need to buy it. Um, if you cannot mm-hmm. afford it do and c- cannot practice with it, do not buy one just for competition. Because I am also in the wheelhouse of believing your meat has got to be cooked absolutely perfect, okay? If you can cook a mm-hmm. prime brisket absolutely perfect and the flavor will be there, you will, there's a great chance you'll be in the in the top 10, top 15, okay? because it is okay. is also cooked perfect. Will you win it? Right. That's not up to me. I don't know. Sure. I think you increase your chances by having the Wagyu. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's where I came along. And that's why I finally believed that because I was cooking some of the most amazing prime briskets and I just couldn't top into the top five. Okay. So my advice on that is, is don't practice and cook the primes at home, and buy one wagyu for your contest because it's going to cook different.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I do. I know I, I, I did practice on some primes last year, and then, whenever I'd get in the comp, I would notice that, that it was it was a lot different. So. I did make that mistake last year, so that's not one that I want to make this year.
0: Yeah, that's I'm I'm glad you said that because that's a fact. It does cook different, it finishes different, everything's totally different. But if you've got your primes down solid, and I mean solid, mm-hmm. and you're happy with them, man, if why not run one? Why not give it a try? Right. Especially if it is 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 right. Knowing what a, a right brisket is, if you feel like you've got it right, go with it, bud. Be positive in it. Put your rub on it. I personally we use our grilling addiction on it. And that is a heavy garlic salt. It's got some black pepper in it and it's got some other goody-goody stuff in it. But that is our base on all of our briskets. And then we can we back it up with our premium rub, which is a standard good old red brisket rub. Okay. okay. I do not sauce my brisket slices. Uh, I do au jus our brisket with the wrap juice um, we do sauce our burn ends but i do not sauce the sliced brisket as far as injecting If you're going to cook a prime brisket, I absolutely love our prime brisket injection. Whenever, if you're cooking a Wagyu, if you're cooking one of the lower grade Wagyu's, the blacks or uh, lower grade ones, let's just call it that. I'm not 100% sure on the gradings on them. The prime brisket injection is the way to go. If you're cooking one of their golds or one of their high, high, high heavy marbled briskets, I I prefer just the original brisket injection because it has so much robust flavor in it. I'm I don't want to change it and make it taste roast beefy. Right.
2: Yeah. And I, I was going to ask you. I, yeah. I, I've been using your your prime injection and cutting it with mixing it with beef broth, and that's been my injection. And then using uh, kind of a, a salt and pepper based rub, and then something more of a, a red red rub for. The finish. But uh, again, I, I think it's been coming out a little bit too salty. So I'm wondering if I'm putting it, the first coat on a little bit too heavy or if I'm using too much, uh, if I should skip the broth and mix it with water whenever I do my injections.
0: I would say your uh, sodium flavors coming from your rub. How early are you okay. putting your rub on your brisket? So typically, what I like
2: to do is I, I trim the meat uh, at home and once I get inspected, I, I inject and then. Typically, uh, a couple hours before I put it on, I like to let it sit out and get room temperature and then try to put the rub on at least an hour before.
0: Well, that's, that, that shouldn't be making it salty then. Yeah, I, I, okay. I put my rubs on my brisket at 9 o'clock at Friday night before I go to okay. bed. So, no, an hour before is not going to get it salty. So, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be it then. Yeah, okay. it may be your sodium content in your injection then if you feel it's salty. Let me let me throw this out there and let you. If you feel like it's salty, do you add sauce mm. or au jus to your brisket when it's finished?
2: So I like you. I don't use a commercial sauce on my brisket. I just use the the juice that it that it's wrapped in whenever it's cooking, and then I I brush it on there before I uh, turn in my slices.
0: Okay when you say you're tasting it's salty is that one of your finished slices or is that one cut without your au jus because I'm wondering if your au jus isn't salty.
2: Yeah typically it's it's before I um, when, when I first cut and these have been uh, more at home on my trial run. Typically um, on my competition ones I have not noticed as being very salty. I mean the, the, my competition ones have actually been better than ones I've cooked at home trial runs but it's just been didn't have that wow factor. I mean it was good brisket and you know I was happy to put my name on it but it didn't have that. Oh wow! So I don't know if it's. Uh, again, I don't know if my my top rub is not robust enough and maybe not covering up some of the the saltiness of the base rub.
0: Okay, you're you say you're making your homemade rubs there. What type of salt are you using? Is it a table salt? Is it a flake salt? What is it? It's kosher. It's a. Is it a kosher flake? Kosher. Yeah. Okay. Cut that and cut that down to about twenty percent of whatever okay. it is you're using. Um, let's say if you got a pound of it. Take, take it down mm-hmm. to 20% and then add in some of the regular fine ground uh, salt, okay? Because the flake okay. salt, it will completely stay right on top of that surface, okay? And mm-hmm. it will not melt in. And then so when you're tasting it, absolutely, that's all you're going to taste. So, so cut it down. I love flake salt, and that is in some of our rubs for that very reason. I agree that the salt needs to be melted into the rub, or I mean the meat, but there's also needs to be a saltiness on the outside. And if it's 100% flake salt, that's that's a great chance that's where your sodium's coming from.
2: Yeah, I think so. Okay. And then on your top rub, does it have more of a sweet, spicy to
0: kind of balance out that salt? It's not spicy. It's a brown sugar-based rub, so it's got a little bit of the yeah. sugar's flavor in it, and then it's got some white sugar in it also. Um, it does have salt in it. Um, it is not does not have any MSG, but our mm-hmm. grilling addiction, the first one I mentioned, does have MSG. So, yes, it has some sweetness to maybe help cut some of it, yes. Okay. When you're wrapping your brisket, what do you wrap with? I mean, are you using some beef stock? Because the wrapping is something that's generally overlooked. But wrapping Mm -hmm. can also make it salty, but it can also enhance the flavor if it's a good, robust flavor.
2: Yeah, so typically what I've been doing is that I take about half of what I use whenever I inject, injection recipe, and then the beef broth, and I mix it, and that's what I put in the foil whenever I wrap it.
0: That is not uncommon. Sometimes the injections themselves are salty, so I'm just trying to track down a little bit of the salt flavor. But what Mm -hmm. I would recommend you try, get you a good test cooking for your first contest and the, mm-hmm. the, what I call my sourdough recipe. I've always called it that. If you've ever made sourdough, you know you gotta have a starter from the previous time you made sourdough to get the enzymes working in the next batch. So what we recommend doing is take your wrappings once you're finished with your brisket, mm-hmm. grease separate it, take that uh, mm-hmm. juice, use that to wrap with for the next time. It's already got your smokiness. It's got the robustness. It's got the cooked rub in it. So you can just use that to wrap with the next time. And every two or three, four or five times, you may need to clean it out and start with a fresh bat. And if you're not going to cook within a week or so, just put it in a bottle and, and go freeze it. I do it all the time. Okay, that's good to know. Anything else, competition-wise? So you
2: mentioned earlier uh, burn-ins. I, I've never turned in burn-ins. I, okay. I've heard that unless they're perfect, it's best not to leave them in the, put them in the box. Do you feel there's an advantage to doing it? Or do you think that, I know the judges are, are you know told to judge on what they have in the box. Is that something I should try to strive to, to
0: add this year? I will say two things. First thing is, you're absolutely right. The judges are instructed to only judge what's in the box, not what they want to get in the box. And here in Oklahoma, we have a large group of master judges and they are very good. They do not, how can I say Perceive that they want that and take a half a point off in their own mind because they didn't get it. I do not believe that happens here in Oklahoma. Could it happen in other places? Absolutely. Could it happen here? Yeah, I might be behooving myself and believing that. But that all said, it's probably been 10 years. Since I have not put burn-ins in my box, I put them in every single contest.
2: Okay, so that's definitely something I'll add to my, my trial runs this year.
0: Absolutely. Get them right, just like everything else. Since I separated, it's a different piece of meat. So it can just stay in there and keep cooking. It can come out early, whatever process it works for you. Heck, you can cook it in a completely different cooker even. It doesn't have to go in the mm-hmm. same one. So keep that in mind. Great. Samuel, I appreciate the phone call. Anything else you'd like to ask or, or bring up, um, man, we're here. Let's talk.
2: Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, any, you know, words of wisdom for a, a young team starting out, you know, we're a team name is Bobo's barbecue and, you know, we love cooking and and are really excited to kind of be a, a staple on the circuit and kind of build our way up in Oklahoma. But I know that um, I'm always looking out for advice from some of the veterans and You know, anything doesn't have to be necessarily a ingredient or a recipe, but just, you know, something that maybe you've learned along the way that, you know, you wish that you would have known starting out.
0: That's a that's a very deep (laughs) and a very great (laughs) question. No, but you really it it could it's simply because you didn't ask for any one thing. You're like, generally, what do I can I do? if you was a brand new team, I'd say go cook in your driveway and everything you had to go back inside for, write it down. Everything you never did use, take it off. Don't, don't go hauling it around. But since you've already been cooking, you got the general idea of what, what you need. You don't need to take 35, um, spatulas. You don't need. Yeah. (laughs) So you've got that going on. What I would say is, is Buddy up with someone, become friends through the week, chat with them, text with them, find out where everybody's getting their meat at in your area. Come over to me, man. Dude, I'm all in. I I let folks try my leftovers all the time. And that's the biggest trick. Start seeing what other cooks are doing. And you may go, wow, is that competition food? I am way off of base on this. And so if you're a good cook, which I'm saying, thinking you are, because you've already started getting calls your first year, second year, I think you'll be able to make minor changes. And generally, don't make wholesale changes at one time. If you have to completely change something, change it at home. But in a contest, make very small changes, very small steps. Because if you make five or six changes, you won't know which part of those changes was good and which ones were bad. So I would absolutely say... Find someone right next to you. Friday, get to chatting with them, um, talk with them, say, "Hey, man, you want to swap meat tomorrow? I'll give you one of each of mine if you give me one of each of yours." And just kind of once you get your results sheets, look at them and see. And since you tasted both of them, see which one actually hit the hit the palate or like the palates of the judges better. The thing that gives you two cooks or or two flavors from one cook at least.
2: Okay. Definitely uh, take that into uh, consideration. Yeah, I'm always trying to uh, you know, meet as many people as I can, and kind of recognize the familiar faces. And and uh, of course, I have uh, over the last year just with the few I've been to. Notice that there's kind of that that general group that's kind of always at the same ones. So.
0: Yeah, we we I call ourselves barbecue gypsies um, simply <laughs> because we go from town to town. We put up our little communes, our own little tents, our own little easy ups, our trailers. We cook we, for about. 36 hours we tear down and we go home and the next week we travel down the road and go to another spot put it right back up so i've always called ourselves barbecue gypsy so do you still do about 35 competitions a year this last year i backed way off bought a warehouse where i live we got it running now i had to i I just didn't have it where we needed it to feel like Mm -hmm. i could me and my brother run it so the both of us do the cooking so I didn't feel like we could both just up and, and leave the place. We, I don't even know what I did last year, 14, 15, 16, maybe even 10. I don't really know. But this yeah. year I'm I'm going to probably do about 20 is what I've got on my radar. Okay. What's your first one coming up? Not this coming weekend, but the next weekend, I'm going to be down in Huntsville, Texas at uh, Shotgun Fred's.
2: Good Yeah. I'm going to be a uh, Shawnee's my first one. Oh, March. okay. Yep. And, uh, and so I've been kind of gearing up and doing some practice and, and um, you know, I've, I've been, I, I do a lot of chicken and pulled pork and ribs, uh, generally, anyways, for the family. But brisket was one thing that I kind of want to mainly talk to you about, just kind of get your idea about your your practicing methods and kind of your overall, you know, base flavors. And I appreciate your uh, your feedback.
0: Oh, you bet. Yeah, Shawnee, we're going to be there, so make sure you stop by and say hi. Something I didn't bring up was uh, the turn-in boxes. Do you make yours okay. on-site?
2: I do. I do. I usually actually, my wife. Rebecca makes those for me. She uh, uh, does those the morning of, and we keep them in a cooler so that they uh, stay fresh. And then typically about 30 minutes to an hour, we we uh, let them set out so they're not, the meat's not going on top of a uh, cold garnishing.
0: That's that's great. That's exactly what I was going to even mention also was get them back to room temperature before you put your meat in it. But that's one more thing. If, if she's busy or if there's a lot going on, you can make those boxes prior just like trimming your meat. I make my boxes okay. on Thursdays. I, okay. I get them done except for the border. And we, we mm. go to wholesale club, buy the same styrofoam deal or uh, containers. I make my boxes and put a wet paper towel over the top, put them in our refrigerator. And when I get there, I flip them. Into the other box. I don't know if you've seen that process, but that may be yeah, something.
2: Yeah, so I, I yeah, I was going to ask how they because I've heard people doing that, but I, I, thought, I thought that you know you had to use the boxes they give you. So hey, I didn't you do, know.
0: you do, absolutely. You have yeah. to use the boxes that they give you. So what you do, man, I, I'm going to describe it, but it's it's hard to be described over a phone. So stop by sure. Shawnee and I'll show you how I do one of them. Since we'll have eight of them, since okay. that's a double contest. But you, I tuck my paper, my wet paper towel down around the edges of my box of the, Mm -hmm. of the greens and you just slowly lift it. It's not a centripetal force, so you don't have to go fast. Just flip it over Mm -hmm. into the lid, open it back up. So basically you're looking at the bottom side of your box or your greens, take Mm -hmm. their box and lay right on top of it and slowly just rotate it and flip it right back on top. Pull your box and discard it, and that's sitting there. And it's it can be just a little bit off to the side, up and down. That's what I use that paper towel for. And then while before mm-hmm. I pull that paper towel out, I just kind of maneuver it back into place, ease the paper towel out of the edges that I had it in, and there it is. It sets right there. One less thing to have to worry about, think about, do on a competition. Okay, great. Yeah,
2: I'll definitely stop by and, uh, yeah. and uh, meet you face to face and learn that technique. Yep, yeah,
0: absolutely. Love to show you that.
2: And so, real quick, you know, you mentioned that you do kind of your 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 brisket kind of about five hours. Do you do the same technique with your pulled pork, or do you let it go a little longer since it's kind of more a bigger piece of meat that you have? You know, different areas that you're trying to pull and and
0: slice. Pork butt goes in thirty minutes before the brisket does. Okay, and sometimes yeah. it takes thirty minutes to forty five minutes to get done. Longer, but. It's okay. basically six to six and a half hours. Okay. So not far off. Okay. It's still a faster cook, but it's not far off. Yeah,
2: Typically, I start out with about, um, you know, eight to 10 pound pork butts and trim them down. I usually do two. One, so I can make sure I get the money muscle, not as, you know, where I want it. And the other one from my pool and my slices. Now, I think I have been putting mine in way too early. Of course, I do have a warmer that I keep them in in case I get them done too early. But I, I think that it's interesting you know, I, I was under the... I, I thought that I needed to smoke them as much as I could, but, you know, saying that smoke is just a flavor and that the judges, you know, want to see some of that, but as well as the, the rubs and ejections.
0: That's know, right. A lot of sense. It, it It's... A balanced meal. It's just like anything else, like going and buying a ribeye steak at a restaurant. You want to taste the meat, or you want to taste a little bit of the char from the deal. You want to taste a little bit of the, the spice, salt, uh, garlic on the outside. It's the total meal packy. So that's something okay. to keep in mind. Okay. All right. Well, Samuel, if you think of anything else real quick, uh, no. <laughs> it's okay. one of
2: those things where I'm sure when I meet you at Shawnee, I'll probably have a million more questions. But uh, right now, I think. Uh, I, uh, I appreciate all the information you've given me.
0: Well, we appreciate it. And, and I appreciate you allowing me to audiotape this and we'll make a podcast out of it and we'll share it. And maybe a lot of folks will learn from what we both had to talk about. Absolutely. You bet, Samuel. Thanks for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. You bet, bud.
1: Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.